What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The call for higher interest rates from the Fed grows louder. Lyle Brainerd heads to Capitol Hill for her Senate confirmation hearing. Traders prepare for another reading on inflation this morning. And a big name on Wall Street tells staff to get booster shots or get out. House Minority Leader McCarthy says he will not cooperate with the Capitol riot panel. Plus, New York subways are getting a big chunk of federal COVID funds. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in Forbes. The Knicks beat Dallas to reach 500. The Nets won big in Chicago. St. John's lost at UConn in overtime. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. Stock Index futures are little change this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are little changed, and so are Dow futures and NASDAQ futures. The DAX in Germany is down less than a tenth of a percent, and the 10-year Treasury down 230 seconds, yield 1.75 percent. Nathan. Karen, we begin with more calls for higher interest rates. Now at least four Fed officials are calling for liftoff as early as March. Here's many. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. If you look at financial market indicators of where do financial markets think inflation is going over the long term, over the long term, they're solving the camp that inflation is going back to historical levels of around 2%. So that's, I mean, I don't overweight that. That's one data point that we pay attention to, but that at least gives us some confidence Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari made the comments at a town hall in Minnesota. Other Fed presidents are also calling for faster tightening. San Francisco's Mary Daly wants to start in March. Patrick Harker of Philadelphia wants at least three hikes this year. And St. Louis Chief Jim Bullard sees as many as four on the calendar. Well, Nathan, the Fed's looking to fight the hottest inflation in nearly four decades. And today, we get more data on prices. Economists forecast the producer price index for December will post a record annual increase of 9.8%. Bloomberg's Vinny Del Giudice reports. Inflation is rattling Main Street. The cost of living is rising at the fastest pace since 1982, based on December consumer price data. November producer prices, meantime, scored the largest year-over-year increase so far, up 9.6%. And yet Bloomberg Economics sees hope forecasting producer prices topping out this quarter based on factory data and noting order backlogs and supplier delivery delays peaked in May 2020. 
Vinny Dell, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thanks. As the Fed fights inflation, the Biden administration's working to fill vacant seats at the central bank, and it looks like it's getting close. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. The director of the National Economic Council, Brian Deese, told reporters the White House is working closely with congressional leadership to finalize the list. As we previously reported, Sarah Bloom Raskin is a leading contender for the vice chair of supervision. But earlier this week, the top Republican on the Senate Banking Committee, Pat Toomey, said he has serious concerns about the possible nomination of Raskin. There are two additional openings. We're told economist Philip Jefferson is a likely nominee, and Fed Governor Lael Brainerd has been nominated as Fed Vice Chair. Today, she'll have her confirmation hearing. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. And that confirmation hearing for Lyle Brainerd will be front and center this morning. We get a preview now from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Governor Brainerd's nomination hearing may be a bit more contentious than the reception Fed Chair Powell got on Tuesday. Banking committee senators were largely content to get Powell's views on the economy and inflation and the implications for interest rates. Brainerd, however, is likely to face tougher questions about the future of Fed policies involving diversity and climate change. She has advocated for both positions Republicans don't see as part of the central bank's mandate. She will defend those efforts as vital to the Fed's ability to boost growth and promote financial stability. And although the questioning may be tougher, Brainerd, like Powell, is expected to win confirmation. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks. Let's turn our attention to the pandemic now. Daily COVID cases remain high, but there are signs the Omicron wave could be easing. The most serious illness continues to be among the unvaccinated. The CDC says almost all teens that need intensive care have not received shots. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The CDC says this bolsters the research that says the Pfizer regimen works in preventing severe disease in teens. It says preventing 98% of the ICU visits and 94% of hospitalizations. The sample sizes in teens are too small for the CDC to translate it to older populations, but what it does say is that having a very sick teen is preventable. CDC says the reports of deaths were all unvaccinated. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Well, as COVID cases remain high, so does the cost of N95 masks. The CDC has considered changing its guidance to advise using only N95 and KN95 face coverings. That sent prices surging on sites like Amazon. In one case, a pack of 40 KN95 masks now costs $80. That's 60 bucks higher than it was in November. Well, meantime, on Wall Street, Karen, another firm is requiring booster shots to get back to the office. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Blackstone is the latest financial firm telling U.S. staff to get a booster shot as soon as possible or get out of the office. The company is also requiring staff to be tested on site three times a week. Last year, Blackstone asked employees to return to offices full time by June. But when COVID cases later skyrocketed across the country, it gave staff the green light to work from home. Now Blackstone wants employees back in the office on January 28th. That's two weeks from tomorrow. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. And finally, politics is in focus across the pond this morning. Boris Johnson has apologized for what's being called Partygate, but the U.K. Prime Minister still remains under heavy pressure. We go live to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. 
Good morning, Karen and Nathan. I offer my heartfelt apologies. Boris Johnson's words as he faced angry lawmakers in the British House of Commons. The Prime Minister attempt, admitting that he had attended a party of about 40 people in the Downing Street Garden during a lockdown in 2020. At the time, meeting more than one person from another household was illegal. Johnson maintains he thought the gathering was a work event. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. OK, Ewan, thanks. Right now, S&P futures are a little changed. Dow futures are down three points. NASDAQ futures up eight. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And it's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 35 degrees in Central Park already dealing with an accident. It's at the northbound Garden State Parkway near exit 90. Details coming up in traffic. But first, we bring in Michael Barr for a look at what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says he will not cooperate with the panel investigating the Capitol riot. McCarthy claims the investigation is not legitimate and is accusing the panel of abuse of power. The panel asked McCarthy to voluntarily testify about his conversations with then-President Trump as the riot was underway. Senator Mitch McConnell lashed out at President Biden after the president in Atlanta spoke strongly in favor of voting rights legislation. Senator McConnell has recently been called out by the White House for supporting voting rights in the past, but more recently refusing to let the Senate even debate such bills. The Senate Minority Leader is accusing Biden of dividing the country he promised to unite. To demonize Americans who disagree with him, he compared, listen to this, a bipartisan majority of senators to literal traitors. McConnell says after knowing Biden for years, he did not recognize the man at the podium Tuesday. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he will try to break a logjam on two Democrat-drafted voting rights bills and begin debate on the Senate floor this week. Schumer told all Senate Democrats that he plans to use a procedural gambit to prevent Republicans from blocking the beginning of debate. Democratic senators are trying to get fellow Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema on board to vote to abolish the filibuster. Schumer says there have been serious, long, and intense discussions with the two moderate Democrats. We're not there yet. I wouldn't want to delude anybody into thinking this is easy. Um, but we're, we're trying to come to a place where 50 senators can support two bills. Senator Schumer also says New York City's subways and commuter rails are getting a big chunk of federal COVID-19 relief funds. Schumer says the MTA has received $6 billion, part of more than $14.5 billion in overall federal relief aid. It will be dispersed in a lump sum rather than given out gradually in much smaller amounts as is customary. The MTA has projected it will have a $1.4 billion budget deficit by 2025 because of the pandemic. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. We're coming up to 510 on Wall Street. That's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashar. All right, good morning, Nathan. Halfway through the regular season, the Knicks were 20-21. and 21. They had the same record at that point last year when they then went 21-10 and 10 and finished fourth in the East. Knicks began the second half with an easy win. At the Garden, where they had been struggling but have now won five in a row, they get to 500, 108-85 over Dallas. All five Knicks starters in double figures led once again by R.J. Barrett. He scored 32 points. After the Knicks, won by 23. The Nets in a late start in Chicago won by 26, 138-112. Brooklyn outscored the Bulls by 20. 
Just in the third quarter, Kevin Durant scored 27. James Harden had 25 with 16 assists. Tough loss for St. John's. Fell in overtime at UConn. 86-78. Too much Adamo Sagano for the Huskies. 26 points, 18 rebounds, 6 block shots. Fordham, 2-0 in the Atlantic 10. A one-point win at Rose Hill over Duquesne. Giants owner John Mara met the media the day after he fired Coach Joe Judge. Yes, we've gone through this process far too often in recent years after having a lot of years of stability, and it's not a fun process uh, at all. Um, There is nothing more painful to me uh, than making that long walk down the hallway uh, to tell somebody, uh, particularly a a good person uh, like Joe, um, that uh, we're making a change. It's gut-wrenching for me. Mara, his brother Chris, and co-owner Steve Tisch began Zoom interviews for the Giants general manager job. Met yesterday with Buffalo assistant GM Joe Schoen and Adrian Wilson, a former Pro Bowl safety. Now works for Arizona Giants. Had seven other GM candidates. Hope to have a hire next week and then begin to look for a new coach. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are up a point. Dow futures up two. NASDAQ futures higher by almost seven points. Consumer prices up 7% year over year as we await producer price data this morning. We'll talk inflation next with Bloomberg surveillance host Tom Keene. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, clouds, some sun today, highs in the low 40s. We'll be in the upper 30s, clearing and breezy tomorrow. By Saturday, low 20s for highs. Right now, it's 35 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by SEI. Crises emphasize character and partnership. One mission, one community. SEI. Go to SEIC.com slash IMS. European stocks are slipping. U.S. stock index futures are little changed. As investors digest the latest reading on U.S. inflation and assess bets on timing for the first Federal Reserve rate increases in the pandemic era. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are little changed. So are Dow and NASDAQ futures. The DAX in Germany is down a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 1.74 percent. The yield on the two-year, 0.91 percent. Nymex crude oil is up a tenth of a percent or eight cents at $82.72 a barrel. Comex gold is down two tenths percent or $4.10 at $18.23.20 an ounce. The euro 1.1474 against the dollar. British pound 1.3746. The yen's at 114.51 and Bitcoin this morning moving higher at almost $44,000. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, now says he won't cooperate with the committee investigating the Capitol riot. He says the House January 6th investigation is not legitimate. The Biden administration says it is seeking new U.N. sanctions against North Korea in response to Pyongyang's latest ballistic missile test. It is still up in the air where the Novak Djokovic will be able to defend his Australian Open title. The Australian immigration minister is still considering whether to deport the tennis star who is not vaccinated against COVID-19. In the NBA, the Knicks, Nets, Celtics, and Wizards all won. In the NHL, the Bruins won. Everybody's just winning. Global news. I like that. Global (laughs) news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts. 
In more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, where the number of the morning is 7. Of course, that's the year-over-year change in consumer prices. The latest read on inflation as we await even more numbers later this morning when it comes to producer prices. Let's talk inflation now with Tom Keen, host of Bloomberg Surveillance, joining us a little bit early this morning. Thanks for being here. Yeah, (laughs) thanks for being here. I haven't been up this early in the last 24 hours. Have they brought the coffee out in the pantry yet, Tom? They they did. Coffee is out. Coffee is good this morning. And the coffee is more expensive. That's part of this. Yeah. And it really translates, Nathan, across everything we do. The parsing of it is simple. Service sector inflation up a little bit, but most of the economists are saying, particularly with Omicron, maybe service sector inflation won't surge forward, and it's in goods area. Forget about energy, that's Mm. outside, but the goods area is the big mystery of about 7.2% or turnaround to 6.8%. And when you look at numbers like this, Tom, where do you look to see whether we're going to hit peak inflation anytime soon? There's still a debate about whether these price pressures are going to keep going higher, whether the Fed is going to be able to rein them in in time. Well, (coughs) excuse me, that's a plague cough there, folks. I'm fine. Uh, the, the, The Fed reining in inflation is a comfortable idea. It's much, much harder than that, as we learned in the early 80s. Certainly, as we lived through all of the 70s, it's a lot more complex topic. And the answer is there are forces, Nathan, that will surprise you either up or down that come under the category unexpected. I would emphasize that most of the guests we talk to on surveillance are saying we don't know and we need to just simply see the more data knowing there'll be surprises. If I had to say one surprise, if you're an optimist, if you believe the plague will get better, if you believe things will prosper, if you agree with James Diamond of J.P. Morgan that we're going to have 4 4.5% growth, Julian Emanuel talking that up on Ed Hyman yesterday with Evercore ISI, if you get those kind of a confluence of good things, maybe goods inflation turns around and inflation starts to slow down. Is that why we're hearing a lot of the focus still from Fed Chair Powell about the supply chain bottlenecks? And yes, absolutely. That we haven't seen any other time of similar situations just simply because of the way this pandemic has played it, out. It's original. The pandemic's a natural disaster, and you've got the supply chain disruptions. I will say one thing, tangential, it's sort of like a Sunday evening thing, you know, when you're watching to see the naming of the Washington football team and that on a Sunday <laughs> evening, is you want to look at the year of the tiger, which is the China New Year, and we're hearing from our China guests that the Chinese New Year coming up in like two weeks, I guess, is another supply disruption. What's it like when we get beyond that? And the optimists are saying the supply disruption can ebb a little bit, but I don't hear it going away. All right, let's talk about the data, the latest data we're going to get this morning from producer prices. There's talk this morning of 9.8%. If we get a 10% handle, what could that mean well, going forward? This is the PPI, and, and Nathan, uh, th- this is back when the Washington Capitals didn't exist, but everybody used to hang on PPI. There were three numbers. I'm not going to go into them right now, but the world stopped for PPI 20, 30 years ago, and then it sort of went away. 
you know, nobody really paid attention. Mike, the only one who paid attention was Michael McKee. <laughs> and then, boom, now we pay attention. And you mentioned the 9.8% statistic for final demand, which is the stuff going out the door in the business community. And all of a sudden, it is worth studying. Should our listeners hang on every PPI note? I don't think so. CPI is way more important. But you got to listen to the pros about these three levels of business inflation and what those dynamics say, particularly about goods and what they say about the supply chain issues. Last 30 seconds left here, Tom. What is the main question you're going to be asking your guests this morning when it comes to inflation? Oh, I think on inflation, you've got to come forward and look at the x-axis, the timeline that we're studying. Jerome Powell and, full disclosure, myself – we're out looking at two, three, four months of data and not worried about the next tea leaf that's out there. You, you've got to extend out, Nathan. I'll be asking if, if, if that's the feasible way to go, if that's the right approach. Thanks for the preview, Tom. Good to you okay? with us. I, I think you did. We'll get you back this on. Is, in oh, thank thing. you. Like, I'm thinking 2023. <laughs> yeah, every morning you're going to come back on. <laughs> Tom Keen, host of Bloomberg Surveillance. If you're in your car, you can catch Tom on uh, television, 6 a.m., so hurry up and get in. Bloomberg Surveillance on radio and television with uh, Tom Keen, Lisa Bromwitz, and Jonathan Farrow. 7 to 9, right here on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television. Ahead of all that, SP Futures up almost two points now. Dow Futures up five. NASDAQ Futures are higher by 14 points. Ten-year Treasury yield 1.74%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Clouds, some sun today. Low 40s for highs. Clearing, breezy tomorrow, upper 30s. We're only in the low 20s for Saturday, getting ready for Martin Luther King weekend, currently 35 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 99.1, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. The Fed and inflation front and center this morning. San Francisco President Mary Daly and Philadelphia Fed Chief Patrick Harker have joined the ranks of officials publicly discussing a rate hike in March. The central bank is looking to fight the hottest inflation in a generation and they'll need to increase rates aggressively to do so. That's according to Bridgewater Associates Investment Research Director Rebecca Patterson. We think inflation is likely to be significantly above what's discounted and, of course, the Fed's target unless they decide they're going to hike a lot more aggressively than what's priced. Rebecca Patterson at Bridgewater Associates says markets are not prepared for just how sticky high inflation could be. And there's more inflation data on today's economic agenda, Karen. We get the producer price index for December, and economists forecast a record reading with a year-over-year increase of 9.8%. Well, that report comes at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, Nathan. Then 90 minutes later, the Senate Banking Committee holds a confirmation hearing for Lyle Brainerd. 
She's been tapped to serve as vice chair of the Fed, and Bloomberg's Vinnie Daljudice reports. Brainerd is an economist and current member of the Federal Reserve Board. She also held a top post at the Treasury. Her nomination preserves continuity at the central bank, along with the renomination of Fed Chair Jerome Powell to a second term. Brainerd and Powell have similar views on monetary policy, stamping out inflation, but different bank regulation. She wants to maintain tough curbs imposed after the 2008 financial crisis. Vinny Dow, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Vinny. Let's turn our attention to the pandemic now. Daily COVID cases remain high, but there are signs the Omicron wave could be easing, and that's reviving return to office talk. And another financial firm is requiring booster shots to get back to the office. Let's get the details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Blackstone is the latest firm telling U.S. staff to get a booster shot as soon as possible or get out of the office. It's also requiring staff to be tested once on site three times a week. Now, last year, Blackstone asked employees to return to offices by full June full time. But when COVID cases skyrocketed across the country, the company gave staff the green light to work from home. Now Blackstone wants employees back in the office on January 28th. That's two weeks from tomorrow. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, Renita, thank you. S&P futures up five points now and Dow futures up 23. NASDAQ futures up 31. Straight ahead, your latest headlines, latest local headlines. This is Bloomberg. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 35 degrees in Central Park. We got water main breaks, including one near exit one on the New York State Thruway. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. The U.S. military will deploy new help to hospitals in New York and New Jersey as they grapple with a wave of hospitalizations driven by the Omicron variant. The White House says President Joe Biden will announce that his administration is deploying military doctors, nurses, and others to six hospitals in six states, including Coney Island Hospital in Brooklyn and University Hospital in Newark. The House panel investigating the U.S. Capitol riot has requested an interview and records from House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. However, McCarthy says he will not cooperate, claiming the investigation is not legitimate and is accusing the panel of abuse of power. President Biden is expected to travel to Capitol Hill today to make an in-person plea directly to those senators and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, still hoping for a vote on rule changes by the end of the week on the filibuster. Schumer told reporters there have been, quote, serious, long and intense discussions with moderate Democrats Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema to join other Democrats in changing the filibuster rules. We're trying to come to a place where 50 senators can support two bills, the Freedom to Vote Act and uh, the John Lewis Act, and with a change in the rules so we can get the votes to um, pass these bills into law. Meanwhile, Senator Schumer also says New York City subways and commuter rails are getting a big chunk of federal COVID-19 relief funds. The senator says the MTA has received $6 billion, part of more than $14.5 billion in overall federal relief aid. Britain's Prince Andrew is a step closer to facing civil charges in court. A federal judge rejected arguments to dismiss a case by Virginia Jufre, an alleged victim of Jeffrey Epstein. Jufre claims Epstein trafficked her to Andrew, who is accused of sexually abusing her when she was just 17. What's next for the prince? Media lawyer Mark Stevens. 
because the only thing that is worse than having Prince Andrew in the odour that he is in already is actually to have him start to deal with the allegations in public. Prince Andrew has repeatedly denied the allegations. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. Finally, some home cooking for the Knicks. They had won just six of their first 17 at the Garden. Last night, their fifth home win in a row. It was easy over Dallas. The Mavs were without the ex-Nick, Kristaps Porzingis, as well as their coach, Jason Kidd, both on the COVID list. They had won their last six, but the Knicks rolled 108-85. to R.J. Barrett stays red hot. 32 points, three of his last five games. He has scored over 30. Knicks get to 21 and 21 on the season. The Nets in Chicago, top two teams in the East. Surprisingly easy win for Brooklyn, 138 to 112. St. John's went to overtime at UConn. Huskies had an 11 nothing run. They won 86-78. Julian Champagny scored 27 for the Red Storm. Rangers continue the road trip tonight in San Jose. Islanders host the Devils. Just the Isles' third game in over three weeks. The Australian Open begins Monday. They delayed the announcement of the draw. Finally did with Novak Djokovic actually facing a fellow serve in the first round. Djokovic could still be deported for the no-vaccine controversy. Just a few weeks ago, the report was that the Giants were not going to fire coach Joe Judge, and then owner John Mara did. We just got to a point where I, I, where I thought we had dug ourselves a hole so deep that I didn't see a clear path to getting out of it unless we completely blew it up. And, and started all over again with a new general manager and a new head coach. Mara has begun interviews for the general manager's job, and then they'll hire a new coach. Mara admitted this season left him more embarrassed than ever before. He said every time he thought they hit rock bottom, it got worse. He admits he has to earn the trust of Giants fans. John Stashow, our Bloomberg Sports. Thanks, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Apartment rents in Manhattan rose to a December record thanks to demanded buildings that have doormen. The median rent in New York's most expensive borough climbed 16% from a year earlier to $3,475. Rents at buildings with doormen are now above pre-pandemic levels. Sources tell Bloomberg HSBC Holdings is in talks to move its New York headquarters to a tower in the Hudson Yards District. The London-based bank is considering a lease for about 250,000 square feet of offices at the Spiral, a skyscraper being built by Tishman Spire on Manhattan's far west side. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy has signed into law expanded tax credits and other measures for film and digital media. Major productions to film in New Jersey since previous credits were enacted include Spielberg's West Side Story and The Sopranos prequel The Many Saints of Newark. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, Ed, thank you. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk, and on 1010 Winds in New York, we're talking about Manhattan rents surging to a record on demand for buildings with doormen. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. The gasoline market is painting a picture of tight supplies coming up this summer. I'm Tom McKenzie on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on Foreign Secretary Liz Truss seeking a Brexit reset as negotiations with the EU resume. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting a former Hilder's grocery store executive is getting into the restaurant business. 
And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. U.S. consumer prices rose 7% in 2021, the largest 12-month gain in nearly 40 years. The good news is that the Federal Reserve can no longer be accused of playing down the risks of inflation. Its policy stance has moved briskly from patience to concern with the hint of alarm in recent months. To its credit, the central bank has pulled off this abrupt shift in messaging without roiling financial markets. Investors have calmly penciled in four interest rate hikes this year. That sounds about right, but with the pandemic far from contained, the Fed needs to keep an open mind. Amid so much uncertainty, the central bank shouldn't box itself in to a fixed policy. Instead, it should stay ready to tighten or loosen policy as conditions evolve. Moving forward, flexibility will be key. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPI and go. Right now, S&P futures are up four points. Dow futures up 21. NASDAQ futures are higher by 29 points. So futures contracts gaining a little bit of traction at the moment. Check in next with Christina Hooper, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mix of sun and clouds today, low 40s for highs. Clearing, breezy, upper 30s tomorrow. We'll have a mix of sun and clouds Saturday and highs only in the low 20s. Currently 35 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are now higher as investors digest the latest reading on U.S. inflation and assess bets on timing for the first Federal Reserve rate increases in the pandemic era. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up five points. Dow futures up 31. NASDAQ futures up 28. The DAX in Germany, little change. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 1.74%. Yield on the two-year, 0.91%. NYMEX crude oil is little change at $82.60. Cents a barrel. Comex gold down a quarter percent or five dollars at eighteen twenty two thirty an ounce. The euro one point one four six zero against the dollar. British pound one point three seven four zero. The yen is at one fourteen point five five. And Bitcoin this morning is moving higher at forty three thousand nine hundred dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says he will not cooperate with the panel investigating the U.S. Capitol riot. McCarthy claims the investigation is not legitimate and is accusing the panel of abuse of power. Senate Democrats are aiming to launch debate on voting rights, even though there is no guarantee the bill will come to a vote. Today, President Joe Biden will meet with the Democrats at the Capitol, even though the legislation is now blocked by a Republican filibuster. It's unclear whether Novak Djokovic will be able to defend his Australian Open title, 
The Australian immigration minister is still considering whether to deport the tennis star who is not vaccinated against COVID-19. In the NBA, the Knicks, Nets, Celtics, and Wizards all won. In the NHL, the Bruins won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. And this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thanks for coming to 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. And investors are looking for ways to win in an era of higher inflation. Let's bring in Christina Hooper now, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. Christina, we're seeing futures sort of fluctuate this morning as traders uh, try to assess this time of rising inflation. Where do you see this market going? So I actually expect this market to go up this year. Um, But I have to give that qualification that I expect it to be far more muted in terms of returns than what we saw last year. Um, Because we are entering more of a slowdown phase of the economic cycle, we're withdrawing monetary and fiscal stimulus this year. It's not going to be enough to end the cycle. We're not going into recession, but we are going to see some modest deceleration in growth, still above trend, um, but but modest deceleration. And I think that results in a convergence in asset class returns and likely an outperformance of, of growth over value. Okay, so growth over value. Where else are you looking for opportunity? Well, in emerging markets. Now, this is an area where we need to be discerning. Um, it's appropriate to, to actively manage that space, but there is certainly potential this year for emerging markets. 2022 could be to emerging markets what 2021 was to developed markets in terms of experiencing a robust reopening as vaccination programs proliferate and we, as we see vaccination levels go up. Uh, even Omicron um, could be as positive in terms of spreading immunity rather quickly in emerging markets. I don't expect it to happen overnight, uh, but I do expect emerging markets to accelerate this year in terms of economic growth. In terms of what the Fed could do with monetary policy, are you looking for acceleration of rate hikes when it comes to reining in these price pressures? Do you think we could see more rate hikes sooner? I know the Fed is talking tough, but I still anticipate only three rate hikes this year. And my rationale is that the Fed has made it clear to us that it is going to be using three tools this year uh, rather than two. Not only are we having tapering and an acceleration of tapering, um, but we also anticipate that the Fed actually starts shrinking its balance sheet this year. Um, so having three levers instead of two takes pressure off um, using rate hikes as the um, most as the primary monetary policy tool this year. So I anticipate three. Um, I still hold out hope that it won't happen in March uh, because I think the Fed wants to be data dependent, and we don't know exactly how Omicron plays out. I think it's a short-term negative, but it's still a negative. Um, so I still hold out hope that we see a May rate hike, although those hopes are fading. Does that raise the possibility that we could see continued price pressure, and does that have you looking for hedges? Well, I do believe Omicron does exacerbate price pressure, but only in the short term. 
so that could, um, I, I still believe we're likely to see inflation peak by the middle of 2022 and slowly start to get better. Um, we are seeing the economy normalize. Um, that is going to be the path for 2022 uh, as this turns from a pandemic to endemic. And, uh, and that is part and parcel of the normalization is that we will see um, pent-up demand slowly burn. Um, we will see elevated household savings slowly burn. So a lot of the conditions that have caused uh, high inflation uh, should be alleviated. We only have about 30 seconds left here, but we're going to see earnings season kick off in earnest at the end of the week. Do you see fundamentals coming more into play when it comes to stock valuations? Well, certainly fundamentals often come more into play when we go through earnings season. Uh, and there are going to be some surprises. We're already getting some warnings in terms of the impact of Omicron. Um, uh, definitely fundamentals uh, will matter. Um, but this should be a good earnings season uh, in general. All right. Christina Hooper, as always, thanks for the insights. Really appreciate it. Christina Hooper is Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. National taxpayer advocate Aaron Collins says taxpayers and tax professionals will face the most challenging filing season ever. She says there are new complexities at a time when the IRS is dealing with institutional obstacles. OSHA says truck drivers must comply with the agency's vaccine or test rule unless their employer proves that they drive alone and are rarely inside buildings. A lack of funds for local call centers is delaying efforts to publicize the new 988 National Suicide Prevention Hotline number that goes live this summer. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story. We're watching 16 top universities, including Yale, Columbia, and MIT, are being sued for allegedly conspiring to manipulate the admissions system. They're accused of holding down financial aid for students and benefiting wealthy applicants. The antitrust class suit accuses universities of a long-running scheme to collectively adopt a formula for determining an applicant's ability to pay tuition. That's instead of competing freely over financial aid by trying to attract students through more generous offers. The plaintiffs also claim that more than half of the schools have given preferential treatment to wealthy applicants. For more on the case, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to antitrust expert Harry First, a professor at NYU Law School. Explain how the exemption from antitrust violations for schools that practice need-blind admissions fits in here. So the first question is, do they fall within the exemption so that they have a complete defense to an antitrust suit? And the plaintiffs seem to be arguing two things. First of all, they've broken the very first part of the statute, which says that it applies to institutions of higher education, at which all students admitted are admitted on a need-blind basis. So basically, they say, give us a break. All of these schools consider money when they're making the decision. And they go through this in some detail, and it's not pretty in some ways. I mean, you know, it shows the extent to which the schools actually do seem to consider the means of applicants in deciding who they are going to admit in certain circumstances. 
and do it on a, you know, an institutionalized basis. So even if the plaintiffs prove the schools are outside of the antitrust exemption, they still have to show they're violating the antitrust laws. How do they go about that? That's going to depend on proving that there was an agreement on price. Now, they're using a common formula, but does that mean they're agreeing on price? Do they deviate from the price? This will be a subject of some question about whether, you know, whether there's an agreement on price and then whether their justifications for what they do are, in the language of antitrust, pro-competitive, designed in the end, that schools might argue, this is designed so that we can compete with other schools, you know, in some way or another, and don't exhaust all our money on certain applicants and don't get a diverse class. And so a lot of hurdles yet to go through. But a basic story of, you know, we purport to be, needs line, but we're privilege-based. And that's NYU law professor Harry First, speaking with Bloomberg student Grasso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news, by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. And again, S&P futures, they are higher this morning, up four points. Dow futures up 26 and NASDAQ futures up 15. The 10-year treasury down 132nd, yield 1.74%. And the yield on the two-year, 0.91%. And NYMEX crude oil is little change. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you? and not against you. With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.